Good morning, Skillman Church of Christ. Happy Sunday, this, this first Sunday of January of 2020. I do want to begin uh, with inviting the children uh, to head to the children's uh, church at this time. Uh, there's a special, a special time set aside for you kids uh, to learn and to sing and to grow and to do crafts with the one and only Shalene Valentine. And I think, uh, again, uh, we have it from two years old to second grade, but uh, really, Shalene, she's a loving person. And if you are 35, I think she'd even take you. <laughs> and kids, just know that we love you. We're proud of you. God loves you. I do, uh, do want to begin uh, this sermon today with a little bit of, uh, of somber news. We need to address uh, the tragedy that happened in Fort Worth uh, last Sunday at our, uh, at, with our brothers and sisters at the uh, West Freeway Church of Christ. And um, just wanted to uh, mention, uh, to keep them, in their, keep them in our prayers as a church, uh, there are people in that church that are uh, close to people in this church. We're, we're connected. Uh, there are brothers and sisters. And it's an incredible tragedy what happened, and the lives of two people uh, were lost. Uh, there uh, just last Sunday. And uh, throughout the week, we've had several conversations. Uh, just people have asked, well, what about the security here at this church? And just wanted to formally address uh, to the church right here and right now that, that we have uh, measures. We, we are being intentional with the security at this church. Uh, we have a police officer, Marcus. In fact, he's in the very back there uh, that we have uh, every Sunday is here. And he spends a lot of his time outside, uh, and so he's very visible. And so we're hoping that a lot of the, uh, the anything could be happening to be preventative, because he's there, and any time a policeman is here, I think it could ward away uh, anyone who may want to do harm. Uh, but we just wanted to address that, that we are talking about it, and that this is something that is the security of this church, something that's very important. And uh, Marcus uh, there is, is a part of making us having a space where we can worship in a safe place. But if we could right now, could we just pray, uh, pause and pray for our brothers and sisters at the uh, West Freeway uh, Church of Christ, and uh, we'll go. We'll start our sermon from there. God, we uh, want to pause and just, uh, our hearts are broken uh, for the loss of uh, two individuals there at the uh, West Freeway Church of Christ, for the loss of Tony Wallace for the loss of Richard White, and we just pray for their families. Uh, we pray for healing. We pray for that church uh, right now who's at this same time is striving to worship and set their gaze towards you and, and become uh, closer to you, and just uh, we pray that you cover them and that you shelter them, and just pray for all churches here in, in Dallas, in the state of Texas, the United States, across the world, and we just pray that you uh, cover us with safety, and that uh, just be with those um, that are hurting in pain right now. We know that you are with them. We pray this in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Well, uh, like I did mention, uh, this is the first Sunday of 2020. Who's excited to be alive on this day? Anybody? And you know, this is actually the first Sunday of the decade. I mean, this is the, the first Sunday of the 20s, the roaring 20s that we can call it. 
And to my knowledge, this is the first Sunday in January where the New England Patriots, Patriots are not in the playoffs. I think in the history of the world. I mean, that got something. And so, you know, this is a, a great year. It's, it's 2020, and, and uh, you know what they're saying about 2020, right? You know, the, the word around the street is that hindsight is so 2019. <laughs> hindsight is so 2019, and that 2020 is all about vision. It's all about setting the gaze forward and doing things right. And so, just probably like every other church in the United States and the world, we probably have the same sermon title for this series. It's called Vision 2020. And really, I, I'm excited to share with you in the next couple, these next couple of weeks what's going to be happening here with this community of faith. And there are some exciting things that are going down. Um, but before we get into that, I, I do want to welcome the visitors that are here uh, to this church. And one of the blessings that I... Uh, get as, as a minister is I get to meet people who come from all over uh, the state of Texas, all, all over the world. Sometimes we have international visitors that come. And, and today it just so happens that we have some international visitors that have come all the way from Oklahoma to Texas. <laughs> and to my knowledge, this is, I, it blew my mind, but one of them, this is her first time to travel to the state of Texas. Carmen, will you raise your hand right now? This is Carmen. Can we give Carmen a big Texas welcome? <laughs> Let's try this. The stars at night are big and bright. <laughs> you have no idea. I've wanted to do that for years. <laughs> Thank you so much for responding to that. It could have just been a bomb, but you guys showed up big time. Welcome to Texas. This is a nice place. Everything's bigger. Even the stakes are, are bigger here. Anyway, welcome, Carmen. So anyway, we're talking about vision, 2020. And anytime you talk about vision and leadership, you have these leadership experts, the book authors, and they always have their ideas of where do you begin. I mean, there is the, uh, the author Stephen Covey, who wrote The Seven, high, seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Do you know what he says about vision? You start with what? You start with the end in mind. And there was another leadership expert that I've seen. He's got a TED Talk that has over 14 million views. He talks about vision, talks about how organizations can head in the right direction in a healthy way. His name is Simon Sinek. And I have a picture of him behind me giving his TED Talk. And again, this is a, it's an amazing TED Talk. After the service, you guys should Google it. And uh, about organizations, about change, and about how vision can be done in a healthy and right way. And this, this video has over 47 million views of how to begin, and as an organization, how to have a healthy vision moving forward. And what he has, Simon Sinek, he's just, he has a theory called the Golden Circle. And the Golden Circle is right here behind me, as well as the next slide. Uh, you, have, you have three circles. You have the why in the center. You have the how, and you have the what. And according to Simon Sinek in this talk, he says that most organizations, what they do is they start with the why. They start with the what. And then it moves towards the how. And then the last thing they talk about is the why. So you start with what, then go, how, go to the how and the why. But he says the organizations, the groups that are cutting edge, the ones that change the world are ones 
that start with the why first. And the why propels them to the how, and it ultimately leads to the what. He gives the best example of this is Apple computers, right? There's a ton of companies that make computers on this what circle. They make computers and iPhones and all this. There's a lot of companies that do that. But what Apple has done, according to Sinek, is that what they started not with the what or the how, but in their very core, they started with the why. And the why is what propelled their how and their what. And so for Apple, it's not just that we sell computers, because that's, that's a boring story. But what Apple says is our why is that we strive to challenge the status quo. How do we do that? We do that by designing sleek and incredible technology that allows you to do things you've never imagined. We just happen to make computers. Do you want to buy one? See right there. That works, right? You start with the why, and it leads you to the how, and then finally the what is a product of that. And so in the next coming weeks, we are going to be sharing with you some of the hows, of the hows and the whats. We're going to share with you some of the things that we have going on at this church in 2020 that are exciting, some of the whats and some of the hows. But we need to begin as a church. We need to begin with the starting point of why. We need to ask the question ourselves, why are we here? Why are we a part of a spiritual community that follows the teachings of Jesus? Why do we read scripture? Why do we receive the prayer list and why do we pray for the people on this prayer list? Have, have you thought about that? Why are you guys even here? Why do you waste your time, not waste your time, why do you choose to use your time to come hear me talk on a Sunday? Or, or how do you, instead of binge watching a Netflix show, why do you wake up in the morning, put your clothes on, drive to this facility and meet with this community of faith? And why does this faith impact you on Monday and Tuesday and how you treat others and how you choose to do your job? Why do you guys do what you do? Have you thought about that? Lee, have you thought about it? <laughs> I know you thought about it. Why do you do what you do? This is the question for today and the sermon subject is to really hone in on the why of what we do as Christians. It reminds me of, uh, of this illustration that I, I talked about a couple, uh, maybe a year ago, but you may have forgotten it, but it has to do with the rose. And uh, yesterday, actually, was my wife and I, Tara, we celebrated an anniversary. Uh, it was our anniversary. It was, I'm just so thankful to be married to her. And, and uh, if you were to ask me how long we've been married, I would say that it's not long enough. Thank you, Don. That's a good, good one. <laughs> It's been a great ride, but it, when we were dating, um, I had this thing with her where I only gave her roses that were white and yellow. And I kind of, it was a little bit of a, a, a game and said, hey, whenever I give you a red rose, something big is going to happen. Uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you what, but whenever that red rose comes, you know something big is going to happen after that. And so for years we dated, and every time I'd give her flowers, it would be yellow roses or, or white roses or carnations until I realized that carnations are the cheapest flowers, and the girls know that, and so you can't give girls carnations because they'll realize that you're a cheapskate. Anyway, I learned that the hard way. But um, on April 21st of 2002, uh, I got down on my knee, and I asked her to be my wife. And right before that, 
just so she knew that this was a serious deal, I gave her this red rose. And she got the rose, and she saw the red rose, and she knew, wow, this guy, he's, he's for real. Whatever he asks next, is, it's really from his heart. But I often think, you know, what would have happened if she, instead, if she would have seen that rose, and she would have asked me the question, why? Why are you giving me this rose? Why am I receiving this? She didn't ask me that, but what if she would have asked me? I think right here is the, an illustration of why why is so important. I mean, why, this question of why, the motivations really breathe so much of what is, is the true meaning and motive behind what we do. And so, you know, there's a, a ton of things that I could have said. You know, I, I could have said that, well, my reasoning for giving this rose is based on tradition. I'm choosing to give you this rose because my father gave my mother a rose. My grandfather gave my grandmother a rose. And just because that's what they taught me to do, I'm just following in my parents' footsteps. And so, you know, I'm just, as based on tradition, I'm going to give you this rose. You know, that could have been one of the whys that I would have said. Or it could have been fear. <laughs> you know, why are you giving me this rose? Well, I'm giving you this rose because I'm afraid of what you would do to me if I didn't give you this rose. I think that would have been our last date if I would have, if my motivation was fear or appeasing her or afraid of what she would do if I did not give her that rose. Or, you know, what if it was giving the rose about, about me and my self-worth? What if she would have asked me, hey, John Mark, why did you give me this rose? What if I would have said, well, I gave you this rose because it makes me feel good about myself. I like, I want to be a kind of person that gives flowers to my, my future wife. And so in giving this flower, I feel good about who I am. And I look in the mirror, I, I like what I see. Again, probably not a very acceptable answer if you're giving a wife a rose. Or what about routine? You know, well, I'm giving you a rose because, well, I just give all the girls roses. No, no, that wouldn't be good either. Or a transaction. What if my reasoning, what if my why to give my wife this rose was a transaction? You know, uh, you know, for example, I'm giving you these, this flower so that you could give me what I want. And that's a kiss from you. And the only way, <laughs> this, this has an ulterior motive to it. You know, I'm giving you this so you can give me something. What if that was the reason? Again, these are all the why behind these motives that you really have to dig deep. Why do you do the things that you do? But what if, when she did ask me why, what if I would have been on my knee and she said, why are you giving me this rose? What if I would have said, I'm giving you this rose because I love you and you make me the person that I want to be and for the rest of my life, all of me wants to love all of you. Now that would have been a good, she didn't ask me that, but, if, but that could have been the answer. That is, that's why why is so, so crucial. So the question goes back to, again, we're talking about the why today. Why are you a part of a spiritual community that meets here in this building off Skillman Street? Why? Is it because of tradition? Because you've always done it? Is it because of fear? <laughs> You're afraid what would happen if you didn't come to church on Sunday? The consequences? Is it because of routine? 
Is it because of transaction? You're hoping to get something from God, and so if you do the right things, God will give you what you want? What is the reason why you're here? And as we begin 2020, this is the question I want to play, lay before you to, to ponder, to think about throughout the week. Why do I do the things I do within this community? Why am I a part of the church that meets in this building off Skillman Street? Why do you do the things that you do? So last summer, a group of us on the ministry staff, Jake, myself, uh, Dulcinea, Shalene, McKenna, uh, we had some elders that were involved. We, we started meeting in the conference room on a weekly basis, and we began to, to plan and dream about what could happen in 2020. What kind of year this could be as a church family, as a church community. And so we would meet on a weekly basis and we'd have these diagrams on the board and the white word would be full and we'd scrap this and we'd scrap that. And, and so you know, in the coming weeks, we hope to share with you kind of what we hope is going to happen in this year, 2020, the vision. But today, what I kind of hope to, to communicate is what's the reason for it all? Like with these things that we're going to talk about next Sunday and then Sunday after that, why are we, are we imposing these things or suggesting these things? Or why do, are we providing these things for you guys in your spiritual life? What's the, the reason? What's the engine behind it all? And so here is what, in, in for 2020, the goal, the vision for what we hope to accomplish and what I'm going to explain in the next couple of weeks. This is what we hope for this year as the why of what we do and why we do it. The why is spiritual formation is spiritual growth. And here's a slide here with, a, with the, name, the name on it. Everything that we do here in this community, everything that we do as, as this church, we hope that it leads us to grow in our faith, to be spiritually formed to the image that looks more like Jesus. I mean, spiritual formation, another word for it is spiritual growth. Another word for it that's found in Scripture is transformation. Another word that's a, a very, you know, a lot of syllables, a Bible word is sanctification. The idea that we, over time, are growing little by little into the image of Jesus. And so this is the why behind what we hope to accomplish within this congregation in, in 2020. And the programs, the initiatives, and the hows, and the what's. This is what we hope to, to do, and the why, the, the, everything behind it is spiritual formation. So what does spiritual formation mean? I mean? What does it mean? It means, like I said, little by little, becoming more and more like Jesus. Because Jesus gives us a glimpse of who God is. So if we be, are more like Jesus, the more we are like God, because God is love. Spiritual formation means this also. Spiritual, mation, spiritual formation means little by little bearing the fruits of the Spirit. Little by little the Spirit of God works in us and refines us and shapes us. And before long we begin bearing fruit. And the fruits of the Spirit are what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. This is what it looks like, the programs and, and the things that we're going to try to do in 2020. Little by little, we hope that fruits of the Spirit are able to be formed. Spiritual formation means that we come to a place in our life where we are no longer cynical, and we are no longer bitter, and we're no longer angry at the world, but we embrace the world, and there's a, a peace that's within us 
that even though life may not go the way that we thought it would, those that are in a, pro- a process of spiritual formation can handle that in a way where there's peace and, and a lack of cynicism. Spiritual formation means getting to a place in life when life has beat you down. When things have gone terribly well, your job isn't going like you thought, the, the, the payments in your, your mortgage are way more than you imagined, the conflicts at your work are even more than you can bear, those that are steeped in spiritual formation are those that will not lose hope during those times, but will be able to withstand and endure those times, focusing on the cross. It means, spiritual formation means that when you're at work and that coworker is bugging you to death and has said that last thing that you just want to throw down and go at it, spiritual formation is being able to pause and not do something that you would regret later, but to handle the situation with grace and with peace. Spiritual formation in 2020 means that we are going to, we are going to be striving to leave the destructive patterns of sin. Because, you know, Scripture says the wages of sin are death. But also, spiritual formation means being able to receive the salvation, the gift of God. Another thing, spiritual formation means being in tune and rhythm with God so that your life has purpose and meaning. So this is the why behind what we're going to talk about in the next coming weeks, next Sunday, the next Sunday after that, for this series, Vision 2020. The reason, the why, is to grow spiritually as a community. And I'll be very clear, what I did not say was the why is to grow numerically. That is a very intentional shift in mentality. I think if we focus on spiritual growth, then numeric growth would happen naturally after that. And I think for churches at this point in the stage, I think all churches are struggling right now with attendance. I mean, I talk to to preachers and ministers all over the place. All churches feel the pressure of empty pews. All churches are seeing the numbers decline. All churches are struggling with how do we get more people in the building? You know, how do we maintain this system that we've created? And I, I think we are taking a specific turn not to try to solve that problem. We are not going to strive for numeric growth. That's not going to be our measure of success. That's not going to be what we measure as if we're doing well or doing not well. In fact, in January, if I'm I'm correct about this, we're going to stop publishing the weekly attendance on email. We're still going to, of course, count for record-keeping purposes, but we are no longer going to publish or email out the amount of people that are on here on Sunday to everybody else. I mean, if you want to know that, of course, you can ask us and we'll let you know. But that's not going to be the, the metric of success that we are going to have as a church. We're going to find other ways to measure how we're doing as a body that fall in line more with our why, with spiritual growth. Maybe we're going to measure hours of community service. Or maybe books of the Bible that have been read in the month of February. Or uh, time and prayer for another person. These are things that we are going to measure as a religious group, as, as a spiritual community. And we're going to let go of the, the pressure or the notion of trying to, to make sure that we are all about numerical growth. Because what I'm saying is that if we focus on spiritual formation, 
if we in this group, if we are alive, if we are growing, if we are alive, if we are passionate about our faith in God, it's going to rub off naturally. On, and there, there will be some things that happen, but, but that's going to be happening in, in 2020. And so the why is spiritual formation, spiritual growth. We'll focus on that. And here's the great thing about it is that when we focus on spiritual growth and we allow ourselves, invite God into the picture, that's when the magic happens. Because when God shows up, that's when things begin to turn and that's when people's lives begin to change. In fact, if you go right now to uh, the scripture for today, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to talk a little bit about, about this. It's, it's on page 1803 it's in your pew Bible. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 12 through 18. A brief look about what happens when God shows up on the scene and the, the idea in, 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 when the goal is spiritual formation. It says in verse 12 of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who put up a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their head. So pause right here. In Exodus, the book of Exodus, there's a story, and I, I believe in Exodus 33, 32, Moses goes up onto the mountain, and he spends 40 days and 40 nights up on the mountain. And he's there, and at that time, he is having an experience with God. He's communing with God. And it's during that time where he actually begins to write some of the laws that what we have now as the Torah and the Ten Commandments. And he begins to write this, and he, he's up there for 40 days experiencing this time with God, 40 days without eating or drinking, having that time with, with, with God the divine. He comes back down to where the tents are, where the Israelite people are after this time, and his face is glowing. It's like, like a flashlight, you know, just like, I mean, there's no picture of it, I'm just in my brain imagining, you know, those, those toys that, the, that glow? <laughs> In my mind, I was thinking of that. This kind of what it looked like is, is Moses, he came down and his face was just radiant and it was just shining. And it got to the point where the people that were there were afraid. They were scared. And so they asked Moses to cover his face with a veil. And so this is what, what uh, Paul is referring to in the letter to the Corinthian church was that story when Moses went up and he had that experience with God and his face was, was radiant and they asked they asked him to cover it. And what Paul is saying is that the law, because of Jesus, the veil can be removed. And it goes into a situation of what happened for the veil to be there in the first place. Well, I think what happened was that the story of God and the story with the Israelite people, it became a, it became a, a transaction. The people fell in love more with the law than they did with God. And so they were confined, they were pinned, they, they were re restricted by what the law said and, and their own laws that were on top of that. Because they had laws after laws over laws. And because in this text, Paul is saying that because of Jesus, there is freedom. 
And this isn't a story about transaction. But if we continue on, it tells, it tells us this is actually a story about transformation. If we continue on, it says, But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, when someone turns to God, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image. The Lord's glory uh, are being tra transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Oh, let that sink in. Who has the power in this story? God has the power. And with the experience of God and the power of Jesus, when the Spirit works, we are able to be free. We are able to be free, to be able to grow spiritually, and the Spirit working within us allows us to, to be transformed into the image of God. Scripture is full of this imagery of transformation time and time again. I mean, it says that we are new creations. It says that the old is gone, the new has come. It says that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so this is the why we are to be transformed into the image of God. And this answers a little bit of the how behind it. The how is experience with God. It's communion with the divine. That is how spiritual formation happens. That is how people are formed into the image of Christ. And again, I want to be very, very intentional. That for the longest time, especially in our in churches, we have taught that the way towards transformation is the giving of information. We have sometimes fallen <laughs> into this idea that information equals transformation. That if you just know enough about something, that will transform you. Well, those, we know that's a myth, those that grew up in the church. Because there are people that know the Bible in and out. They know the stuff. But they're the meanest people you'd ever meet. We live in, in a world where information is at our fingertips. I mean, if we want to know something right now, we just get on our phone and we type it in and we can have that information right now. We are to the point now where we know that information just by itself, information alone doesn't, it doesn't lead to transformation. There's got to be something different. There's got to be something more to the information. There's got to be a, a bigger package that happens because information alone doesn't lead to a, a changed life. We've seen it all in our, our, in our lives. So what is it? What could it be? Well, here we have uh, another slide where it talks about the answer of the how. It's communion with God. This is how spiritual formation takes place. This is how we are formed spiritually, when we have experience with the divine, the creator of the world. And this can happen in two ways. Communion with God can happen personal. Something that's on your own. And the question for 2020 that I'm asking, that we'd love to ask you, is what are ways that you connect with God? And how can you do that more this year in 2020? What are ways that you find that you connect with the divine? And how can you do that more? I mean, some people connect with God through the reading of Scripture. Every day waking up and having that quiet time and reading it. Some people connect with God through exercise, 
working their bodies, and, and there's a, a connection with the divine when their body is moving and fluid. Some people connect with God through hikes in nature. Some people connect with God through the creation of art and music, the ability to create something beautiful, and that's how they connect to the creator, to God. Some people connect with God through listening to podcasts. I mean, like, I wanna, I'm going to throw out Cavian right now. We, we have this thing where we text each other podcasts that we listen to. I think for the last two weeks, he's texting me every day at like 5 a.m. with another podcast to listen to. I'm like, how does this, how does this guy do it? He's, he's awake at 5 a.m. and he's already listened to a full, a full sermon. And he's sitting to me and he gets his kids lunch. But whatever it is that you can do to connect with God, what can you do more of that in 2020? Now it brings us to the part of the community, this group. What can we do as a community to create experiences where we commune with God? And this is where we get pretty excited about the plan for 2020. Because uh, we, you know, we have right here, uh, starting next week, if you guys pull out this uh, sheet in your bulletin, we're starting something kind of new this year uh, with, our, with our Bible class hour, which is on Sunday mornings, between 9.30 a.m. to 10.15. So it's right before this time. So we're starting something kind of, we're, we're doing something interesting or unique to try to create experiences where people connect with God and the divine. We're, every uh, five weeks or so, we're going to create, we're going to provide a, a set of classes. A, almost like a college elective where you can kind of uh, choose based on kind of what you're interested in. We're hoping that these will be intergenerational groups that will gather together over a shared interest and that we'll be able to together for five weeks straight, you choose the class you want to go to and for five weeks and six weeks and some later part of the year, you attend this class and you grow and you learn. And then there'll be some other things that we, we're going to talk about a little bit later in the year. But here are some of the classes that we have going down starting next week. We have a class by Dr. Mike Young called How to Be Holy. And this is a class that will be looking into the topic of holiness. And really through a, a historical perspective, but also a biblical perspective, Dr. Young has a PhD in philosophy, so he's a really smart guy. And so this is a class that will really go deep into the essence of what holiness is and what does it mean to be set apart as a group of, a group of believers. Another class that's really going to be really cool is going to be taught by David and Lorna Griffin. Uh, over in the FLC starting next Sunday, and it's called Art and Christianity. You guys don't know this, but David Griffin is a pretty famous artist. I mean, he's, he's uh, big time. He's a, he, he wouldn't tell you, but he's a pretty big deal. Anyway, what he's going to be doing is for the, ne for the next five weeks, he's going to be teaching a class on art and Christianity. Because for the first several hundred years, that's how Christianity conveyed theological concepts was through art. And so there's going to be some history, the beginning of how art was used, uh, but also, if there's time and if the logistics, the logistics can work out, there's actually going to get the, the canvas out. And with David Griffin there, you'll be able to paint uh, maybe a scripture or something spiritual, uh, you know, psalms. And with David Griffin there, and you guys will paint together as an expression as ex to experience God in that form. Uh, Jake Jacobson is going to be teaching a class on spiritual practices. So this is going to be in the East Wing starting next week. And so, you know, the disciplines or the practices, you know, this is going to be a class that really propels one who's desiring to connect with God in a practical way. This is a class that will be, it'd be a fantastic experience because it's going to be very practical. It's going to be one where every day you can do something and it's, it's going to push the, the limits of the comfort zone. Uh, the other group is we have... Uh, 
those that love music, on the other page, uh, Lee Branch is going to be teaching a class called The Gospel According to Avett Brothers. And so what that's going to be is a class looking at musical lyrics of a band called the Avett Brothers. And uh, they're a band, they're, they're, their lyrics are so poetic, and so we're going to take the words of this, the poetry of the lyrics of these songs, listen to the music, and we're going to connect it to scripture and theological concepts. And you know, there's a chance that there'll be even a, a performance of that song at the end of class. So, and that's for those that, that love that, to connect music and their theology. And there's also going to be a class in the library taught by Harold and Billy Fay, uh, Curtis, Vicki Martin, and there is one typo on this, uh, and that's Billy Fay's name. So I apologize for that. We know that's a typo. Uh, and, uh, but this is going to be a class that's very academic. It's going to be looking at the New Testament, going verse by verse in the New Testament. Uh, and it's going to be a deep look into that. And there's also the ladies' Bible class by uh, Lucille McNeil. Uh, ladies only, but Lucille McNeil is a Bible scholar. And uh, this class has been meeting weekly at Skillman longer than Jake Jacobson has been alive. Uh, and it's taught by uh, the scholar Lucille McNeil, and it's ladies only for that one. But uh, this is going to be happening next Sunday. Uh, here at the church, and one of the things that we're asking all of our members or those that, that are here, part of this community, we're asking you to join a class. We're asking you to participate in one of these classes that starts 9.30 to 10.15 before class. We're asking you to choose one of these, stick to it for, for five weeks, and give it a try, and this will be a space where we can begin that process of spiritual formation. Why do we ask you this? Because it will impact your spiritual life. So here's the homework for this week. We have homework here on the slide. Number one, what is that thing that you can incorporate into your life, uh, in your personal life, that will allow you to commune with God? Number two, what class are you going to attend next Sunday that you think will contribute to your spiritual growth? And number three is come back next Sunday, because we're going to continue talking about this, the vision for 2020, and the topic for next Sunday is Sunday. And I've got a pretty amazing, I think, analogy for the Sunday morning service that I want to toss to you and see if you think it's a good one. So that's for this next Sunday. But at this time, uh, we're going to offer that invitation, and we're going to sing together, and we're going to stand together as a community, and we're going to, as a, as a group, again, set our collective gaze to spiritual formation and spiritual growth. This is the good news that because of Jesus, our veils, the veils can be uplifted. We are free to grow and become the people that Jesus has created us to be. So in a minute, we're going to sing. And if you need prayers at all, we'll have elders on the side. If you have something going on in your life that's blocking your spiritual growth, if you feel like there's a veil that's blocking it, please, there's elders on the side that will pray with you. I'm up front if you have any questions about baptism at all. But why don't you come as together we stand and we sing. Your love never fails.